What is up, guys? Welcome back to another wonderful episode of the Two Beers Deep podcast. With me, as always, is Gregory. How are you doing, Greg? Oh, just <laughs> lovely, good sir, on this, uh, what is this, this uh, first ever quarantined edition of Two Beers Deep, I think. That we're yeah, doing. two quarantines deep, but uh, we'll do what we can. We are, oh, we man, are not together great. for it, so we're just hanging out, but uh, three, two, one, action. I am drinking beer, despite the Surgeon General saying we shouldn't at the moment. Uh, It's a good thing that we're recording today, though, Greg, because things... Things actually happened. Yeah, thank God for the NFL, man. Just when you thought that the world was going to stop and we weren't going to have anything to pay attention to and get keep our minds distracted from this global pandemic, the, the NFL, NFL comes, comes a kick in, man. I love I'm, it. I'm just like, I, that. This is the thing, though, is like it's so amazing that you know we really aren't going to get any other sports news for a little while here. So the fact that you know. Today was today was what the legal tampering day? I think it was what it was called. Uh, today was the deadline to do your franchise tags, and it was also the beginning of legal tampering. So you can't. So you're going to see a lot of deals reported today, and you're also going to see, uh, which we'll get into later, some trades that might have occurred as well. But you have 48 hours to kind of you know negotiate contracts with people, and you're going to see numbers come out eventually. Uh, there's been some reports that have happened, but you can't actually sign until four o'clock, which a lot of people. So everything, sorry, go ahead. No, no. So like everything that you see now, there's a very good chance that it could be official, but you never know. There could be stuff that could be greed in principle, but then people can go back to it. I mean, we've seen it in the NBA with, um, with guys like DeAndre Jordan did stuff like that before too. So it, you never know just because of the numbers are reported. It is not a guarantee until. Well, and more recently, uh, Anthony Barr, Vikings linebacker that signed quote unquote with the Jets and then reverted. Uh, so a lot of people were asking today, like, why is today not the start of free agency? And I said, you know, you got to look at Anthony Barr's case um, just simply because, you know, he basically said, screw you to the Jets last year. <laughs> <laughs> and there are going to be moments during this. I know, guys, we have um, a pretty seamless transition between Greg and I, and that's because we're normally in the same room. We are download or we are. Uh, recording the podcast on the anchor app today so there might be times where we cut each other off so just bear with us hopefully this is a one week thing uh we'll definitely still be doing the facebook show live on facebook so we should be good there um i thought open air silence was kind of our thing though (laughs) yeah that open air awkwardness i just mean like cutting each other off because i I can't see you move Oh, no, I still cut you off sometimes, too. There's always that. Even when we're in person, like, we are never in sync. So that's just – so this is just normal for us. Yeah, a good point. Uh, let's go. Is there any other type <laughs> of news we should get to before NHL news? Because I feel like a majority of the show is going to be the NFL and going to be us talking about how these trades have impacted the draft and things of that nature. So are there any other sports you want to cover off the rip? I mean, just real quick, uh, kind of the stuff that was um, announced today is that um, – NBA probably won't isn't expected to begin resume play again until most likely yep. May, um, and also uh, Major League Baseball. Uh, the commissioner even announced that uh, opening day is more than likely going to get pushed until mid-May, 
to kind of coincide with the uh, CDC recommendations of eight weeks of no gatherings of over 50 people. Yeah, which so, is uh, which came uh, out today, it's and gonna, it's crazy. Yeah, so it's going to be a while before we see any, you know, live sports on our TVs and stuff. I mean, like we, we talk about this, though, thank God for the NFL because the NFL is keeping us busy with the free, with free agency and all this, but then also – we're going to have the draft at least, which is something I'm still excited for. And we'll touch on this in a bit, but I love the format. Well, walk me through it because you mentioned it and I hadn't heard anything yet. So this was the first like time that I had heard they actually came out with anything. Yeah. So uh, Commissioner Goodell um, came out today and said that the draft is still going to be going on as scheduled. Uh, so April 23rd to the 25th, it'll still be Thursday, Friday, Saturday, um, and all that first round on Thursday, second and third on Friday. But the difference, they're not going to do what they've done over the last couple of years and have kind of a big, you know, ordeal about it and open to the public and have, you know, like this massive display of um, fans. Which it looked so cool in Vegas, man. So it did, but I, I, I'm kind of intrigued by it because I think what they're trying to do is they're going to revert it back to maybe not even like Radio City Music Hall where they had like everyone in, in like the amphitheater stuff, but they could revert it to kind of like when you saw in like the 1983 draft with LA to Marino, where it was in just like one conference room with all the team reps and, you know, a small assortment of fans perhaps. But I think that's what they're going to kind of lean it towards now. Um, it could be boring from an aspect. That's very true. But at the same time, it, it's, it's very meat and potatoes of the NFL draft. There's not yeah. a lot of pomp and circumstance to go with it. And, and in the end, I, that's kind of how that's kind of the draft I remember and falling in love with it. It wasn't a lot of, you know, over the top stuff and all that, but at the same time, I think it's going to be a very retro kind of thing. Towards the draft. I agree with it from a fan perspective, but the real reason that I'm, you know, upset is because it's, it's a big day for the players. Like, and, and they've turned it. Yes. Is it an amazing event for you and I, of course, but it is a really cool thing to be Joe Burrow, to, you know what I mean? To be Herbert and walk across that stage and the way they had it set up. So it, it, I know that it is a little, uh, it's a little selfish to, to want things in a time like this, but from a fan perspective, it's just one of those things where, you know, it means, it means a lot to everybody that watches that. But at the same time, I am excited to just see the draft, to just have something at this point. Yeah, I, I can, I can understand that too, but I mean, you never know. I mean, there could be some changes that they make with this. I mean, I'd be willing to bet there might be a handful of prospects that still come to the draft, but I just don't think it'll be a, a large gathering like it usually is and stuff. But, I mean, uh, Goodell even came out and said that there's more to come with this story as it goes, which, I mean, there's definitely going to be some planning that they have to do with it. But we Yeah, just agreed. Um, but it does – a lot of the moves that happened today do bring up some really good draft questions, which let's just go through the moves – uh, I'll pull up, you know, some Twitter accounts here and we'll just go through. So I have Schefter's Twitter out and NFL update, which I have them both on uh, push notifications. So if we do get an update mid show, such as that, the, uh, lions are signing for Eagles offensive tackle, Halapalu Vadi Viatia <laughs> to a five-year $50 million deal, which happened 26 <laughs> seconds ago. Damn. Um, but I'm going to go to just to the gun. Well, before we, well, before we get to like the actual moves, let's just kind of talk real quick about the move that kind of started yeah. the new league year officially beginning, and that was the collective bargaining agreement finally being signed this weekend. Uh, I got it. I got the alert at like uh, 10 a.m. Yeah, I remember correctly, yeah, very on much. Sunday morning. So yeah, that was, kind of, 
That was nice to see. Um, were you shocked? Did you see the uh, margin for approval? It, it was like uh, it like a thousand fifteen to nine hundred sixty. Like it was within like fifty, which is insane. Yeah, it was very, it was very close. And what I also heard too is that five hundred players did not vote. Why? I I have no idea. That bo- that boggles my mind on this because. Imagine if all 500 of those players had. I bet you, there's a very good chance that this deal would not have been passed if the well, amount yeah. of publicity that was going towards these teams that not that were trying to push players to not do it. I bet you the CBA wouldn't have happened. Well, and I don't know if it's just because the rank and file didn't think it was necessary to vote or something, but yeah, like that's crazy to think that there were so many players that just did not vote. For and it, it makes you wonder. It really does. If the complexity of the CBA and it being as big as it was had something to do with it. But you had told me that they filed to get an extension because the um, players wanted a comparison to the last CBA, right? Right. Uh, they did not get the extension, okay. but I do remember them saying that they were, for the people that did not vote, they were able to get a comparison. They at least saw that. So I'm not sure where the idea kind of came from with that, because I know players that did vote wanted to look over the proposal. Again, mm-hmm. They were not allowed because they had already voted. So I'm not sure where the connection is between that and just players that decided I don't care, whatever, whatever, whatever. But that's a little ridiculous that when you're paying dues to, um, when you're paying dues to a players association that's representing you as a whole, you would think that you would want to participate in something that affects your future and your income. Oh, yeah. That would be the first thing you would think about in that situation, which, I mean, it's hard to speak for the player as a fan. Um, but at the same mm-hmm. time, which I just got breaking news about Alshon Jeffery. Nope, oh, nope. That is, uh, never mind. Sorry about that. It showed up Eagles with the number seven <laughs> Viati signing. So I was excited about whatever that news was, but we will table that for now. Um, <laughs> but no, it's just, it, it's a fun day of just. And I guess fun maybe is the incorrect word for certain NFL athletes. But for fans, it's fun for us right now to get some news and to think we know what's going on in the world. Right. So let's go Let's go through some moves. So uh, the CBA was – Oh, yes. Yeah, so the CBA was signed over this yep. weekend. Uh, it's a 10-year contract. A uh, couple things that really suck out to me for this one. Uh, number one was that uh, the players got a bigger – Slice of the revenue, I believe it was uh, it's now forty eight and a half percent, which is good um, because I mean clearly they're expecting the league to kind of you know make more yeah. money as the years go on. Uh, an additional an additional seventeenth game will be added in twenty twenty one, so there is that. Uh, they haven't been which it said yeah okay that was yet, the thing but, I was uh, going to ask really because it said that something along the lines of like it could be added, but I don't think that was like the correct terminology. I just think they don't know how it's going to be added yet, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think they know how to work the 17th game into the schedule yet. But I mean, they have they gave themselves a year to try to figure it out. And then the two other big factors about this CBA that I thought was very interesting. Number one, the players were able to get uh, marijuana testing removed from which. Drug testing do you know how for, that is going uh, to add into the Josh Gordon's, Martavis Bryant's of the world that are already out? Josh Gordon is Josh. Go- Josh Gordon is not going to get a reprieve for this, unfortunately. That was something that I saw on Twitter really? actually after the news broke out. Yeah, so Josh Gordon is still technically going to be suspended, even though the CBA. Because here's the thing, too: this CBA doesn't kick in until next year. Yeah, and it's grandfathered so, in, would be my assumption. Yeah, so that's the logic on it. Um, and then the other one that um, I'm, 
I'm very I'm excited about, but I'm intrigued to see how it goes. Is that starting this year we are now getting an additional wild card? Yes, team, the Steelers would have made the playoffs the last three years. That <laughs> yeah, I'm pissed about that. But what I'm very excited about is that there is now only one buy that you can get per conference into the divisional playoff rounds. And I'm excited about that. I'm very intrigued to see a number two overall AFC team play a team that just barely got into the playoffs. Yeah, especially when you consider the uh, the push at the end of the year to try to get that one or two seed. It's going to make a lot of teams play a lot more heavily at the end of the year because the one seed is really the only seed that matters, in my opinion. Right. Right. Now, this essentially kind of clinches it right there. I, I mean, obviously, let's be clear about some stuff. I mean, there, there's definitely some scenarios where there's no chance a seven seed would have, would have won. I mean, I, I mean, if the playoffs started last year this way, we would have played the Chiefs in the first round. There's always a chance, I, man. I'm sorry, like we would have gotten. Some always chance. a chance. Yeah. So, <laughs> I, yeah, there's always the chance, and I get that. There's like, there's hope and all that stuff, but I'm, but yeah, this puts so much more pressure on teams now to try to get that first seed, which because it's not just home field advantage; it's the only buy in the playoffs that you yep. get. And I, I'm very excited to see how that goes moving forward because I think it's going to make it a way more exciting into the season. Agreed, man. And, and especially when you get to the big question from a fantasy perspective of the games not mattering later on, and I know fantasy should not be the number one deciding thing for. Uh, the sport because you know it shouldn't be it should be about the players but that is a huge incentive for everything is that you know fantasy will mean more which means that gambling means more which means that there's more money to be made by everybody right so those are kind of the big takeaways from uh, the CBA and then uh, now that the CBA was taken care of obviously we can touch on the other factors that got into this which was the franchise tag deadline was today um Looking at kind of the deals that got made, or there, you know, I um, I I'm very surprised that they ended up getting a deal done with Ryan Tannehill out of uh, Tennessee, and the reason being is because I don't know what he's worth. I understand that he was amazing. Well, are you surprised? Good. Well, are you more surprised that they gave him a deal, or are you surprised that they? didn't franchise tag him and instead tried to sign Derek Henry. I'm surprised that they got a deal done with him. I am not surprised that they franchised Derek Henry because the positions require the franchise tag for the running back spot. That's just how it works out. But if you look at the deal, it's four years, 91 million in guaranteed money, exactly one year to the day that they traded a seventh round pick for him. And it's, it's, it's insane, right. but it's also, it's not a terrible, wow. The Browns just reached a uh, case Keenum. So the Browns get their man as a backup quarterback uh, for a three-year, $18 million, $10 million guaranteed deal, um, which is amazing. But it, it, back to the Browns are starting Browns are starting to touch on in a sec. Yeah, I mean, the Browns will, will definitely get to them. But uh, the Tannehill thing, the reason being that in a market of quarterbacks that Tannehill could have tried to be a jag off and been like, look how great I was. I want X, Y, Z. He just, it looks like he worked with the team on a deal, which I love to see, meaning that there's less of a chance in my mind that Derrick Henry sits out now because it looks like that team is trying to work together to make things happen. Right. And also from this vantage point, and we'll get back to the Browns on this, but Conklin uh, agreed to terms with the Browns. So I think that Henry now kind of has, more money to be able to kind of negotiate with because the Titans have a little bit more space yep. to kind of wiggle. And around. that's the thing; they Tannehill, can still negotiate. I'm not surprised. 
Yeah, Tannehill, I'm not surprised that he signed because I think that he looked at the situation and he said, I had so much success here. Yep. And the fact that there's a proven commodity here where I necessarily don't have to do as much to win the game because I have an elite level running back. I have to I have a very promising stud wide receiver to throw the ball to. So it's kind of like I, I have a good situation here. Let's not rock the boat here because I made money in Miami and it just did not work out. So let me get the best value that I can get here and clearly it worked out very enough well. money to keep some stem cells um, overseas, huh? Yeah, no kidding <laughs> on that one. <laughs> so let's go over um, to the Derrick Henry deal. Some, Were you surprised uh, that they franchise tag Derrick Henry? No. And it's kind of like the same way that you essentially justified it as well because I look at the running back tag and I think it's not as ridiculous as say the quarterback one. Like I was going to touch on this too. Like them, like the Cowboys tagging tagging Prescott is insane to me because that one year contract is just going to be a massive amount on their cap hit. But I think the running back franchise tag is much more reasonable. So I'm not necessarily surprised that they gave it to Henry, but I am intrigued to see if they do work out a long-term deal, if they want to go year by year. On well, and let's move right over to that. So Dak Prescott, he turns down, which uh, Moorhead and I had not a spat on Twitter, but a, uh, he had said that, you know, Dak was stupid and or the Cowboys were stupid and Dak was going to be leaving. And I said, does, you know, I think it was the third highest contract for a quarterback in the league, not warrant at least a conversation. And, his answer back was, well, no, it's stupid on both people's parts because Dak's not going to find a team as equipped to win right now as the Cowboys, and the Cowboys are not going to find their quarterback like they have in Dak, which I think is fair, both ways it being kind of uh, both sides I being also stupid. Say that, I also say, too, I think there's some skepticism around the league about how well he could do outside of Dallas. It, which is sense. crazy to me, to be honest with you, and I understand that Dallas is a great team, but Dak has played amazing his whole career there. That's true, but his numbers really skyrocketed when Kellen Moore got there to be coordinator, and it, it took it took a while for me to be convinced about how much how great of a quarterback he is. But I I absolutely consider him top ten in the league now. I mean, I liked him beforehand, but I was always skeptical about if he is actually a franchise changing quarterback. Prove me wrong, but I think they're skeptical because of the idea of can he work with different you know with the different weapons that he has around him. Because in Dallas, he has an amazing offensive line. He has an, an all-pro running back. And, I mean, he's, they're going to lose Amari Cooper, I feel like. But at the same time, there's a lot of tools that he has to work with. So it, it, there might be the skepticism around him. You're breaking up a little bit too, Greg, just so yeah, you know, really buddy. You're good. Oh, sorry. You're good. I can hear you better now. Uh, keep going on it, though. Okay. No, no, but I was just going to say, like, I, I think with looking at Dallas's situation you have so many pieces that should be able to work well for you and Jerry Jones has just kind of set them up really strongly for them to succeed that there might be the skepticism going on about like is Dak really a difference maker on any team in that case or scenario or does he need all these pieces to be the elite level quarterback that we kind of see in that yeah I think it's fair to ask those questions but I do think that Dak is elite level and uh and by elite level I just want to be heard here elite level meaning that his contract that they offered was perfect <laughs> so <laughs> that's where my elite level <laughs> sits i mean he is a top three quarterback and he should be getting top three quarterback money and 
And, and by top three quarterback, I mean that's up right now. That could be getting a new contract. He's not my third best quarterback in the NFL. Oh, not not even close on that one. But yes, I absolutely agree. When it comes to money, I mean that's kind of how it works out. Well, you take you take what your previous um, you take what your other compatriots are making, and then if you have better numbers than them, then that's how you negotiate yep. with that. So Dak was absolutely in the right to be able to try to get the money that he was Let's making. transition over to another quarterback. Due to the fact that the Buccaneers have placed the franchise tag on Shaq Barrett, which I love, Jameis Winston will test free agency. How do you feel about that? Well, first off, I'm not crazy about giving Shaq the franchise tag because in all honesty, I feel like this was a one-year wonder for him. Because I, I get it. Like, he, he really produced strong this year in Tampa. But when he got drafted by Denver, I mean, it's not like he lit the world on fire up there. And that could, it could have been because they didn't need him. But I think it was a mistake to give Barrett um, the franchise tag on this one. Um, Jameis, I, I think that there are better options that they can get in free agency now. And I just think that if he – and last year was just probably the – weirdest year that you could ever see from a quarterback that was possible with 30 touchdowns and 30 interceptions yeah, 30 um, for 30 vision i think last year yeah, except i think last year was the highest of highs and the lowest of lows and you're never going to get consistency with Jameis, and i think that's what arians need he needs some sort of consistency moving forward from him and i think he can get that from another now the question is Brady, whether it be rivers exactly or and you're uh, a little – it sounds like you're underwater right now, Greg. I don't know if you're walking around your house or if you're swimming in a pool right now, just to give you a heads up. Um, no, I'm actually in my room here. <laughs> got that waterbed too high. Uh, so then here's the question. Is it – Yeah, clearly. Is it Brady? Is it Rivers? I would say Brady. I would put money on Brady over Rivers because I think Rivers is leaning towards Indianapolis. And I, even though I, even though they, he did move his kids and his family to Tampa or sorry, to Florida, yep. let me rephrase that to be more accurate. Um, I, I keep seeing reports about how the Tampa Bay apparently made a really enticing offer to him to be able to bring him in. So if Brady has this idea that maybe just maybe that I need to get out of New England and prove myself, I think Tampa is in a great position because they're a young team. They have two stud wide receivers for him to work with. Very good tight ends, which is when Brady was his most effective with two very good tight ends. If they can improve the offensive line to another degree, this might be his best chance to prove that he can win without. And another elite level. And yes, I say elite level coach. And Bruce Arians. Yeah, no, I can get with you on that one. Bruce Arians. Bruce Arians really proved himself to be an elite level coach because getting Tampa to seven and nine is a miracle. Yes, agreed. With Jameis Winston as your quarterback, I think it was a miracle of him getting. I think Tampa can definitely win the division next year. And yes, that is with a very good New Orleans Saints team that he would be going up against. If you had Brady, I could definitely argue that Tampa would. Win so where do we think Winston goes, man? Because I don't believe that there's really a team out there that's going to give him a starting chance. I, I, and I know that's tough in a league that anything is kind of possible, but I just don't – I think he's going to get back up in, in, a, in a prove-it situation, which is why I do believe that he has a good shot at being the Bears quarterback next year. I 
look at Jameis in an interesting situation. I think he needs to go somewhere where they do need a bridge, but I think that he I, I think it's to a team that obviously doesn't have a high pick in this draft. So like I don't see him going to I don't know. I don't see him going to Cincy. I don't see him going to the Chargers. I don't see him going to Carolina. Um, I could see Chicago, perhaps. Um, I, I could maybe also see, and, and this is going to sound really weird, but I could see him going to a team with like a good offensive mind to maybe kind of work out the kinks on him as like a one to two year deal just to sit behind and relax with. Like, this is going to sound odd, but I could see him in San Francisco as a backup to Jimmy G. Hmm. And maybe kind of work with him and just be like, all right, you have all these different skill sets that made you a number one overall pick, but you have never Don't you dare disrespect Nick Mullins like that, work. Greg. Dude, I'd be willing to bet you that Nick Mullins is, is probably going to either get traded Dude, or he'll get I fully believe that like if I was the Saints, so. if I was a that had an older quarterback that I wasn't sure what to do with, like, or if I was a team that just needed to try something, I really, really enjoyed Nick Mullins' time as a starter. I, I thought he was very good. But I could also argue, too, that that was because of the system that Kyle Shanahan had in place to be able to work with them. Hey, which is totally fine. I mean, they got to the Super Bowl with that system. That's fair, but I would also say that if you have Jameis working in a system style with the physical traits that he has, the sky's the limit with them. Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll agree to disagree. I just hate Jameis. So let's go over to <laughs> the next uh, <laughs> franchise tag, A.J. Green. We had large speculation about this one. We kind of assumed it was going to happen. News broke that the team was going to do it, but it's finally uh, placed upon one of the best wide receivers of a generation, I would say. Oh, no, absolutely. Uh, most underappreciated receivers of the generation when you put it all together. Um, this is a guy that has been the model citizen, and that's not something that you hear often with wide receivers. So the fact that he is going to make a lot of money it speaks volumes to it. It speaks volumes to it, too, because this is a guy that missed all of last year, too. Do you believe um, he did I with Turf Show, or do you believe he sat him? out? I thought it was his ankle. Or whatever, yes, whatever it is. I, I... I just there's something about me, man, that I don't trust him being out with injury. I, I do believe that he wanted to be moved, and and I think that he could sit out with this franchise tag. I just do. I could see it too, or I, or I could also kind of see it as them kind of being a good faith move to them by essentially saying that hey, we're getting the number one overall pick, we're getting Joe Burrow in here. This is a guy that wants to work with you. He thinks that you could do great things for him. Let's we'll give you a big raise this year to show that we trust you and we still have faith in you and give it a year. And then we can negotiate a new Agreed. contract, which I think would be a very fair offer for a guy that's done so much for that franchise. Agreed, man. Um, they, uh, there's not too much else to say about AJ Green in that scenario since we kind of knew it was coming, but I, I am happy for him. Um, to get the guaranteed money and to, to definitely give a shot with Joe Burrow as their starting quarterback. Um, let's go to the biggest trade of the day, and then I want to talk some Steelers, but I, I can't hold this off anymore, man. I cannot believe <laughs> they moved DeAndre Hopkins. I can't either. I started to kind of think about it after I heard the news because I was stunned. At first, it was just a David Johnson move, and I thought, oh, okay, I could see that work. I mean, maybe D. 
DJ, Kenyon Drake, or no, sorry, I like DJ mm-hmm. didn't want him there with Kenyon Drake, so maybe kind of move that out there. And then I saw DeAndre Hopkins in the move, and I'm just like, oh my god, the hell did he do to piss off? Well, Kobe and that's Bryant? the thing; and they then, had a falling out with it because of his contract. Is the rumor that sprung out? Right, and I and I kind of I, I read I, I researched a little bit of it afterwards, and. DeAndre Hopkins was making – he has three years left on his contract. I think he's averaging about 13 mil a season. And Julio Jones was in the same spot as him last year and got mm-hmm. 20 mil a year for that. So I can understand why Hopkins is probably thinking I'm a better receiver or of equal par to that. So he probably wants his just do, which which deservedly so. The kid's amazing. Well, and Michael Thomas and just got his big contract, correct? Right? Can... right, yeah, Michael Thomas got paid too. Um, the only logic that I could see from Houston's side is that perhaps because they gave so much money to Laramie Tunsil and because Deshaun Watson's going to be due a big contract, and that's going to be interesting. Him and Mahomes, when they have their contracts due, they, they are going to have some astronomic quarterback numbers when that comes out, especially next year when the, when the salary cap just goes up exponentially. I think maybe Houston was looking at this and was like, all right, we're essentially in the same boat that Seattle was when Russell Wilson had to get paid. We're not going to have a lot of money left over to be able to pay everyone else that we need to fill this roster on with capable players. Maybe it's for the best that we get rid of Hopkins and then try to replenish him with the receiver depth that they have in this. And, and but and you, I don't, I mean, I don't think it is possible, they, man. DeAndre Hopkins is my number one receiver in the NFL. I, I get that, and I know you're a Hopkins guy, but looking at from the team building, non fantasy aspect of it, and all that, you, you got to build a team of fifty three guys, man. You, you got to. I, then they have to be able to spread that money around. And they look at it. You have an elite level quarterback in Deshaun Watson who's going to make a lot of money moving forward, and you have a, you've spent a lot of capital to get a left tackle to be able to protect him. Does it suck getting rid of an elite level receiver like him? True, but if you're able to at least kind of get close production from maybe two receivers in this draft, I mean, it softens the blow just a little So let's bit. go to uh, the player that they received, which is David Johnson, who I, I mean, in all honesty, I love the fact that they got DJ because their running back position has been bad for years. They, I mean, they just have not had a good running back since Arian Foster. Lamar Miller was put in there to be the workhorse, and I won a free dinner because I told the commissioner of my league that Zeke's rookie year would be better than Lamar Miller's, and he bought the hype of Miller, and I won a free dinner. But they just haven't had luck, man. Carlos Hyde was okay. <laughs> I think that um, uh, Duke was okay, but they didn't have a guy, and I do believe DJ has a really good chance to get back to his old form here, but I just don't know if Billy B is going to be able to do it with him. The weird thing with DJ for me, and and what kind of worries me about it, is that I don't know if Houston has the right offensive personnel to be able to utilize him well, because Duke Johnson is kind of the same style of back that David Johnson was, Mm -hmm. in a weird way. So, I and if it didn't work out for him, and Duke Johnson's younger... I'd say so. I don't know if like DJ is going to work out well in him. They would have to really commit to a running game option, and that's not going to work because their entire offense is built around Deshaun Watson doing Deshaun Watson. I would argue so, that DJ has I mean, better. Be 
RB1 setup than Duke Johnson. Duke Johnson is very much for me a third down back. Oh, that's true. And David Johnson's proven to be at least like that three down. Even though I know what you're saying, they're very catch out of the back opposed to run guys. So I agree with you there. But Johnson is at least, or David Johnson. I got to speculate, or I got to say it out loud there because Johnson doesn't work for both of them. But I do think David Johnson. You can't say DJ either. (laughs) So Duke and David. But I, I believe that David gives him a better shot at a three down back. But I do agree that they have to work him into the offense, as you saw with, you know, Arizona this past year. Yeah, I agree. I, I do think that the biggest thing for David Johnson is just he has to get over the hurdle of being healthy. That's their number one priority right there. Agreed. The reason that they traded for Kenyon Drake is because, yes, he's younger. Yes, he's cheaper. But Kenyon Drake showed durability when he was in Miami. And now he is – and now you could argue when he went to Arizona, I mean, he eclipsed David Johnson in that offense. And I think – I'm expecting a big year from Kenyon Drake this year. Yeah, from and he the, got the transition the tag, which they year. did transition. And I uh, I like him in that offense. He fits perfect. But the, the I, mean, I just – dude, they have so many receivers – I am so curious as yeah. to how it's going to work out because I love Christian Kirk. They still have a King well, Butler. They have Andy Isabella. Now they have Larry Fitzgerald and DeAndre Hopkins and Keyshawn Johnson. Or Yeah, Keyshawn. Well, yeah. Let's, well, well, here's something that I'm curious about from your perspective. Mm-hmm. Like, Since you are looking at this from the fantasy perspective, okay, looking after this trade now, what do you see next year fantasy-wise for first DeAndre Hopkins, then Kyler Murray, and then Deshaun Watson. So instantly for me, this puts Kyler Murray into a top 10, if you didn't already believe him to be, fan, which you should have. But this, this boosts Kyler Murray so much, in my opinion. And the reason being is because last year, the only thing that stopped Kyler Murray were the guys that he was throwing the ball to. That's it. Uh, the offense is built for him. Cliff Kingsbury literally has an offense created for a guy like Kyler Murray, and that's why they drafted him number one overall. And so it's amazing if anyone doesn't believe that Kyler Murray is going to thrive here. DeAndre Hopkins, I'm worried a little bit about his workload just because of the, like I said, the number of receivers and the way that they run their offense. They run their offense extremely quick, which, yes, means more reps, but it also means more reps to more players. They ran more, I believe it was five, like four or five receiver sets than anyone else in the NFL, not really using the tight end position at all i love that for hopkins the thing i don't love is just the name of the receivers i love christian kirk him and murray had a really good year together so you know i'll be interested to see watson this terrifies me terrifies me for deshaun watson greg mainly because will fuller can stay healthy i don't believe kiki kuti even though i'm pretty sure the texans believe is a wide receiver one and although I, I know they're going to focus on it in the draft, man, they don't have a first-round pick, so they can't even trade back to try to get assets. And how do you trade DeAndre Hopkins and not get a first-round pick? Yeah, there were two other trades that happened today, and you could argue, first off, and we won't get too well into weeds, but Hayden Hurst got a second-round pick. Yes! How in the world does Hayden Hurst get a second-round pick and DeAndre Hopkins gets a second-round pick? How, round pick how does Hayden blows. Hurst do that and Unless, Calais like, Campbell the gets a pick? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't get it. Hayden Hurst has only been in the league for, like, what, three years, but he's also older, He is, too. and, you know. Like, he's older than DeAndre, and, yeah. I do believe that Hayden Hurst was not going to get a legitimate shot in Baltimore to be a starter. Mark Andrews is too good, and Nick Boyle played too well. Mm-hmm. Right, and that's fair, but like getting a second-round pick for a guy who you could argue is a tight end two is ridiculous. <laughs> it's ridiculous. 
Yeah, agreed, one hundred percent. And we'll see what happens. And uh, let's let's transition over to there before I get too mad about Hopkins. So I want to talk about the Cleveland Browns movement today. So the Browns not only put a second round tender on uh, Kareem Hunt, which I believe was a great move by them, they also brought in the likes of Austin Hoop which is now the highest paid tight end in NFL history, I believe is how it was going out in a four-year big contract, as well as bringing in Jack Conklin from the Titans, which is a big deal, especially for a team that needs line help. So, obviously, it is not an offseason unless Cleveland Browns <laughs> money. Well, this is the back-to-back Super Bowl in the preseason, uh, man. That's that's true. Um, so I look at the moves that Andrew Barry has made. Austin Hooper, I'm not upset by it because I think that David Njoku was a failed experiment. Um, I think Hooper had his best year in mm-hmm. his career last year. Oh, by year. far. And I think that is also going to be – that's going to be his best career year ever because I don't think he'll live up to those numbers again. But what I will say is that I think Baker would really – really help him to have a reliable tight end in that offense because I, I think he got way too gun gung-ho about trying to force balls to his receivers. So having a reliable tight end like Cooper, who has shown production in Atlanta with a very good quarterback in Matt Ryan will do wonders for him. I don't think numbers-wise he's going to come close to matching what he put up last year, but I think Cooper is a good addition for that. Agreed. The Conklin move, I the Conklin move I love, but I love the Conklin move more for Conklin because I read the contract was only for three years, and what is very interesting for this too, Conklin is he will be twenty eight when that deal is like done. When he, when, right, and that's around the time that the salary cap is going to blow up by then, so he's going to make even more money when that when that contract ends for the Browns, and that he and he'll just be yep. entering his prime. Like and that and that's and that's what's crazy to think about. Conklin, when he was drafted, was looked at as a guy that could be a left tackle, and they didn't need him to be because they had Taylor Lewan. But you can easily, I would argue that they could probably transition him to left tackle and then draft one of these new guys in the draft, like Beckton or Thomas. Or this Leo, makes me way more happy right for them to get Beckton. I 100% agree that this would make me take a chance on a project guy over top of if Wills is gone and Worfs is gone and you're sitting there with Andrew Thomas, who I know you adore, but if you're sitting there with Thomas and it's between Thomas and Becton or something like that, I would be way more happy to take a project guy knowing that I have Jack Conklin. No, I would too. You have insurance right there, and then you have the ability to know that moving forward in three years, Becton could be an all-pro left tackle given the right situation, given the right coaching. So, yeah, I agree. I I look at Becton now as the favorite to be that pick for the Browns. And I got to say, this this has probably been the most – it hasn't been a flashy offseason for them, obviously right off the get-go, but in terms of just guys that can do work and be able to contribute on a daily basis but may not you know stand out, I like the start. This is a better team. start, in my really opinion, good. than getting Odell. And I know that might sound crazy, but these two moves, they aren't just sexy. They're, they're moves that had to happen for the Cleveland Browns to maintain any sort of success. Yeah, I agree. I'm very intrigued to see what Andrew Barry does the rest of the season because, well, first off, I, I was very stunned that they weren't able to re-sign Joe Schobert because I think he is a very good middle linebacker. Um, I'm, I'm intrigued to see where he ends up, but 
I'm I'm very intrigued to see what other moves that they make because I could argue that there might be some guys on this roster that get dealt. I'm not going to say OBJ gets dealt because that'd be crazy. This is a guy that when he's at his best, he's a top five receiver yep. in the NFL. But at the same time, I, I would not be shocked if there's more moves that kind of occur from this. I could see them – I definitely could see them giving up on Njoku. Yeah, that's – I agree there. That's a big I name that he, could be tossed. Yeah, I think he was a failed experiment at this point. Um, I'm also looking at some – I'm not sure who they have playmaker-wise on the rest of that team because I, I just haven't paid attention to the Browns, honestly. I mean, I did see that they uh, they uh, released yep. Morgan Burnett, which I'm not surprised by, but – yeah, it's going to be an interesting offseason. And I think Case Keenum is a very welcome addition to be the backup for them because he's a way more reliable option. To well, and it's nice to have somebody behind Baker that can help Baker the way that, that they should have used Tyrod. And I'm still very confused about all that, but, uh, you know, it is what it is. Um, I do want to move to one of the more intriguing moves. The Colts traded the 13th overall pick to the 49ers for DeForest Buckner, who, you know, don't get me wrong, is amazing, and he's a disruptor, but he has been so underutilized in the 49ers simply because they have so much talent. But the Colts giving up the 13th overall pick screams we're getting Phillip Rivers to me. Yeah, I, I agree. I look at the um, I look at what they did, and they have enough draft capital in the rest of this draft, which I think is deep in a lot of positions that they need is going is still good for them. They get a disruptor that if you look at that defense, it's still extremely young, but there is a, they have so much cap space that getting a guy like Buckner who is underutilized in San Francisco because of how much deep that they, how much depth they have is going to be huge for them, especially because the Niners clearly prioritized Derek Armstead over him because yep. Armstead got paid to this offseason. Which so he, I don't think he got paid I as much, really but he got like paid, which so for... I, I mean, I'm cool with it if I'm a Niners fan because Armstead was great. Yeah, I look at it as. Yeah, yeah, Armstead was great. I look at it maybe as, like, it, it could be possible or it could be argued that maybe the Colts might have mm-hmm. overpaid a little bit. Not not in terms of draft capital, but I'm talking Agreed. about in contract, perhaps. I think they kind of looked at it and was like, we had the we have the resources. Let's give him a good contract to be – because we're still thinking that he is going to outproduce that. And that's still very possible. But I, I look at what Ballard's doing, and I'm very much in favor of it because they definitely have drafted very well. They still have capital to make moves this offseason and be able to get some great talent coming in. They're extremely young. They have Buckner, who hasn't even hit his prime yet, and they're getting him now on a, I could argue, maybe would be a cheaper deal in a couple of years if he produces as well as he could. And I'm in agreement with you. I think Rivers It just makes so much sense, man. They have an amazing line, an interesting running back situation, um, which there are still some running backs out there. But I do think that the David Johnson deal – the fact that they picked up the entire contract is a little damning for a guy like Melvin Gordon. And the fact that uh, Derrick Henry got tagged is a little interesting there, but we'll see what happens. Um, but it's just been a good day, man. And Todd Gurley and Stephon Diggs are two names that could still be dealt by the end of the day. Yeah, speaking of that, are you surprised that we haven't heard anything about Melvin Gordon um, so far today? Not really, man. And, and it's kind of – I don't want to compare this, but it reminds me a lot – of, uh, and it's not because they both have amazing dreads, but Jay Ajayi. And, and Jay Ajayi, when he was in the Dolphins, was electric and amazing. And then he went to the – like, it, it, he just basically fell off the face of the fucking earth, man. Like, it just – it's one of those things that proves to me that NFL teams do not – they do not prioritize 
above average running backs. And I do believe Melvin Gordon is one of the elite running backs. Is he Zeke? No. Is he Christian McCaffrey? No. Is he Kamara? No. But he is one of the elite traditional running backs in the NFL. But teams do believe that in the right system, they can draft a guy and he will be good enough. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think it's just because this idea, especially, and you're seeing it now with DeAndre Hopkins when he gets traded, it's just the depth of skill position guys coming out of the draft nowadays and college is producing. It's kind of like, well, maybe we don't need to give these guys elite level money. Let's spend our money elsewhere to kind of shore up some trench areas like, like our line, like our secondary, and then we'll be able to kind of just plug and play. Now, that's a dangerous proposition to go with, obviously, because there's a big learning curve from college to the pros. But I would argue that because there's just such a plethora of these skill position guys that are just coming out nowadays, maybe it's better for teams to just kind of plug and play now moving forward and try to reteach. Yeah, agreed there, man. Um, and, And I mean, if anything it's the fact that tony pollard went off this past year but some interesting moves today man i don't think there was one that i was like wow that was terrible except for the deandre hopkins trade because i still it's weird to me but just some other moves the dolphins sign uh shaq lawson so they bring another clemson guy in three year 30 million dollar it's very simple deal i enjoy it he's a young guy i i really like him there the bucks re-signed jpp Two years, 27 milli, which I think is, you know, on par. I think it's fine for him. Um, and the other interesting factor of today is that the Cardinals are one of five teams that can be forced to do hard knocks. The other ones, Greg, the Lions, which we both love, the Broncos, which I love Drew Locke, the Jaguars, mm-hmm. which are a complete shit show, and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Hmm. <laughs> Man, what the Steelers did today, I am very intrigued to see. So let's talk about some Steel City. There's so so much stuff they have to restructure (laughs) and cut and just work around. I mean, my God, it's just going to be I do love the restructure of Vance McDonald. I thought Mm -hmm. that was a good move. And they obviously placed the franchise tag on one Alvin Bud Dupree. Yep. You are happy. You don't have to get rid of your jersey. Uh, so that's I don't a, have to get rid of it yet, move. man. I still don't think that it is all said and done. We'll see if they trade him or something ridiculously crazy, but I can still hold on to my Bud Dupree jersey and be proud of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and looking at the rest of the moves today, so uh, they cut Mark Barron, uh, they cut Johnny Holton, and they cut – who was the other – I can't – who else did they cut? Oh, Anthony Ciccolo, who uh, – yeah, I mean, I, I was big on him when they drafted him, but now, obviously – not so much over some previous stuff that happened this past season. But uh, the big news in uh, Pittsburgh Steelers country is uh, the retirement of one. Yeah, that is sad, man. Um, I get it, but it's sad. Uh, Yeah, I I look at it, and I'm intrigued to know if he was given the option to retire or if they were going to cut him. Yeah, so he hasn't been – the Ramon Foster we know and love for a little while now, which, you know, is fine. Our, our line is solid. Our line is right. very good. Um, but, yeah, it does feel like – it at least feels like he kind of did it on his own terms, the way with his verbiage and everything. But it makes you wonder if it was like, hey, man, we're going to move you. So you either retire – and it feels very Heinz Wardy, except that Heinz Ward probably still had a little more left in the tank than Ramon did. Uh, you know, no disrespect, just the mm-hmm. positions. But it felt a little Heinz Wardy. 
Yeah, I, I agree. Um, and then I look at the situation right now. So we don't have a starter at left guard. Um, you could argue that they'll probably move Filer to left guard and then maybe slide either Chooks or a Banner over at right tackle, see what we can do. I'm still among the belief that I would not be shocked if they draft a guard or a right tackle in the draft maybe early to kind of supplant that and go with someone who could eventually maybe transition to right guard or left tackle when DeCastro or Villanueva's time's up. There's a lot of moving pieces with that, but it is possible there's a lot of stuff to go with that. Um, but no, Ramon Foster, 11 years as a Pittsburgh Steeler. Uh, he is definitely someone that uh, we loved in the Steel City. He was very vocal. He was very opinionated. Uh, he's a guy that when you just heard him talk, you knew how much that he loved being a Pittsburgh Steeler. This is a guy that we take a lot of pride in because he was an undrafted free agent and he's worked his way up to becoming a starter and he got paid on his own terms. So uh, it, it is unfortunate to see him go, but uh, he clearly had a very solid career. He's not a Hall of Famer. He's not a Hall of Famer. But is he a ring of honor? But a solid, stable. Yes, he is definitely a ring of honor. That's good. Uh, I like 11 that. Years, uh, he... Yeah, 11 years, won a Super Bowl. Um, I would say that he is more than deserving to be a ring of honor person here with the Steelers. And I, he is definitely going to be someone that you'll see in the media moving forward. I would not be shocked if he, you know, has a show on KDKA or, uh, or if he's a post-game analyst guy or something yeah, like that. Very he's, smart, he's very good head on the shoulders. He's very well spent. Very well Agreed. spoken. Yeah, very well spoken guy too. So uh, that's definitely something that I could see moving forward to him. Uh, it won't be the last that we see. What do you long. think about the Steelers using their second round pick on my guy, Natan Muti out of Fresno State, who is arguably the best guard in this class? Yeah, you know what's funny? Uh, Pro Football Focus also posted that a couple weeks ago too uh, as a guy that they could potentially Oh, see they love him. They love uh, him. In the second round too. They do. They do love him. Um. I am not opposed to that at all because, yes, I could see them going tight end. I could see them going edge and all that. But I think the move that they made today by the fact that they tacked Bud Dupree, I don't see, you know, edge being a thing that they need. Um, Tight end, I don't see them necessarily needing now because if they're restructuring Vance, they're clearly bringing him back. Although I wouldn't be opposed to maybe getting a tight end in the fourth as like a projecting guy and maybe give Gentry another – you know, some competition in camp, so we shall see. But, no, uh, if you don't have Foster, and maybe you're not entirely sure about Filer being a left guard, I, I would love Muti for a second round. I think that'd be a great pick for them. It's not a sexy pick, obviously, but I think it'd be a very fun pick for them. The Broncos re-up their line, agree to a four-year, $44 million with Graham Glasgow from the Lions, which I actually like a lot. I agree. I like that too. I, I, there's a good number of offensive line moves that uh, I saw today. I saw Ricky Wagner got a deal with uh, the yep. Packers too. I think two years, 22 mil or something yep. like that. Very, I enjoy yeah, it. So that's a, that's a solid deal for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, and it's, and it's a good thing too, because I look at this mm-hmm. line class, I, I think left tackles, it's definitely strong, but in terms of depth, it's not a good guard class. It's not a good center class. So I, I think, a lot of teams are probably looking more for agency to kind of fill some holes that they need along. Agreed. I, I want to touch base on one more storyline before, obviously. I mean, we, we got eight minutes left in this, but we'll be fine. Um, the Bears, man, aggressive in the quarterback market. Originally, they were going after Teddy Bridgewater, which would have made essentially Mitchell Trubisky their backup quarterback. And then uh, reports came out that they were no longer interested in Teddy Bridgewater. And my assumption is that he was asking for too much money, which, you know, 
I believe he deserves. So now they are aggressively, again, oh, going after Andy Dalton or Nick Foles, which Nick Foles has been targeted by a bunch of teams, and the Jaguars won't trade him. I think they're morons. Yeah, I, I saw Shefty's tweet about Nick Foles and how like the, the Jaguars want to hold on to him and stuff and how they're, they want to be blown away by it. I was going to send it to you, but then I was like, nah, he'll probably see it on his phone. Dude, I'm in full agreement with you on this. I, I don't know what in the world the Jags are thinking. It, it's, that contract is an absolute albatross. That contract is such an albatross that they had to trade Colin Campbell just to be able to probably make payments yes. on it. Like, it's, it's insane to me. And I, and I look at the Jags. I am of the belief that the Jaguars are in absolute full rebuild mode. I, I tweeted this out, man. Duval but rebuild. then why would you not want Gardner Minshew to be your quarterback? He's perfect for this transition period. Get rid of that $88 million. Dollars. I don't get it either. I, I, unless they still somehow see value in Nick Foles or – Maybe they're looking to see how the more – I think the logic could potentially be is, is that they're waiting to see where all the free agent quarterbacks go before they're willing to trade him, which I can maybe understand that because teams might be more desperate at that point. But at the same time, this is a team that made a lot of trades this offseason, and they have a lot yeah. of draft capital. And I'm very excited to see what they do. I'm very excited to see what they do in this draft because I think that they could have a lot of talent moving forward. But, yeah, I, I don't understand – the logic, to be honest with you, I, I do think that he'll get traded, but the package that they'll get is probably nothing close. But then again, if DeAndre Hopkins gets a second round pick and Hayden Hurst gets a second round pick, it's like there's going to be some weird dichotomy about what the hell they're going to get for Nick Foles in the contract. Yeah, and, and then it comes down to is somebody going to take on the full contract? Are they going to have to help and, and pay some of it? Is it going to be for money? Is it going to be another Brock Osweiler situation? So we'll see, man. Uh, the last name that I really want to get to is one Stefan Diggs. He's been tweeting out stuff, and, and someone, it was funny, tweeted back at him and said, Every time Stefan Diggs doesn't get his way, he gets emotional and deletes stuff off his Instagram. And Diggs said, not this time. This one's for real. <laughs> um, where are some legitimate good landing spots for Stefan Diggs in your mind? Well, before I get into that, um, obviously the news broke today is that uh, Kirk Cousins yep. got a two-year $66 million contract extension from the Vikings. So um, that was kind of what prompted the news. Oh, okay. I, was ex- I was surprised to see it because – because in all honesty, like, like I knew that they weren't, they didn't have the best relationship at times. But I mean, they they went on that run at the end of the year to make the playoffs, and I thought everything was was pretty good. To be honest, I I was a little stunned to see that he wants out, but I get it. Um, looking at teams that could realistically try to trade for him, um, if the Colts didn't just trade their thirteenth overall pick, maybe I could see it because I think he'd be a great compliment to T.Y. Hilton, yeah, in Indianapolis. Um. That's the thing, though. I think Diggs yeah, needs to be I, a compliment. I think he'd be, a, think he'd be... yeah, and, and that sucks because, like, I think he has the talent to be a number one receiver, but he definitely needs. A... I don't even know if I would consider him a Batman to a Robin. I would consider him more a Robin. I would consider him a one A one B type scenario. He doesn't need to. He doesn't need someone that's better than him, but he needs someone that is. He, he's not Hopkins. He's not Michael Thomas. Is how I'm going to word this. And not many people are, so I understand that. But right. he's not the guy that's going to lead your offense on his own. He, I, I think he needed Adam Thielen in times, but I also think he doesn't believe that. 
And that is part of the reason that he's ready to go. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I, in a weird way, they might not have a quarterback to work with him, but I would love to see him in, in L.A. with mm. uh, the Chargers. I think hey, don't disrespect Tyrod Taylor. A fun I'm not disrespecting him. I'm I just know, saying, I like, I think the three of them together would be a nice little would be a nice little comparison. Rumors there. I heard um, were for Seattle, man. In terms of other guys, I, man, they don't need another. <laughs> they don't need another receiver, man. I they that that no name receiver group that they have up there. They do work. I really like the the group. That My only there, uh, thought against Diggs for all that is that he brings an essence of drama, which I don't think Seattle's had for a long time. That's fair, but I could also argue that DK Metcalf might be like what? someone in the waiting Why? to add drama to it. Just I, what has he possible. ever done? I'm just saying it's possible. I, I, nothing. I'm just saying like I think is I think because of the group that they have right there, though he's been very grounded, and they kind of like it the baby pacifier. Really Greg, is it the baby pacifier? <laughs> right. Yes, yes, yes. It is okay. I think I think he's been very grounded since in Seattle just because he hasn't been needed as much and because there's a veteran group right there that are essentially made up of undrafted or low round guys that had to work to get to that little. So I could see Metcalf if he wasn't in Seattle, he could be a diva somewhere. But I agree. I, Diggs strikes me as someone that will probably add some sort of drama to wherever he goes, which terrifies me because I can totally see a situation where Diggs like ends up in something like yep. Washington, Philadelphia, Jackson, something where like, oh God, <laughs> just mortifying. What, uh, what? You ask, hey, you get Go ahead. What was that last one? You get yeah, what you wish 100%, for. 100%, man. <laughs> uh, so let's finish the show on this, Greg. What is one move that didn't happen today or one move that you believe will happen that you were surprised like didn't happen? And it doesn't have to be specific to team. But you're like, oh, this guy's still on this team. That's crazy or this guy's still a free agent. What's one move that you think will happen soon? Because there's still some big names out there. I think Teddy Bridgewater should agree to terms with someone either tonight really? or tomorrow. I, I think Bridgewater, yes, because I look at Teddy as he is the prototypical young quarterback that has not gotten a fair shake wherever he went, and he proved that when healthy that he can do damage and lead a team to wherever he wants to. And I'm very intrigued to see what kind of contract he gets because he deserves some big money coming his way. I believe he deserves it. I don't think he'll get it, but I believe he deserves it. So I'm very intrigued to see where he ends up going. Yeah, it's a big one, man. Um, Give me your opinion real quick on Amari Cooper because I kind of thought that's where you were going to go. I I feel like in some sort of way Dallas is going to find a way to – lock him up i don't know how i don't know what magic jerry's gonna do because i find it very hard to believe that they're going to lose him because i look at it as he just changed their offense so much when they drafted cooper i would argue dak became an elite quarterback Mm. when amari cooper came there so losing cooper would be devastating so i find it very hard to believe that they would lose him but at the same time there's a lot of teams that would love to get Cooper on their team. But then I could also see teams being gun-shy about it, too, because you don't know what Cooper you're going to get. You could either get the Oakland Raider Cooper that had the cases of the drops, or you'll have the elite Cooper in Dallas. It's all depending on the culture that you bring. I get that. Team. He reminds me a lot of uh, – he, he's a more reliable 
even though he only had like two catches one game. He's like a more reliable Brandon Cooks to me. And don't get me wrong, Brandon Cooks had three, I think it was three straight years of a thousand yards with three different teams. I believe his first year with the Rams, he got it too. Um, so he had it with the Saints, the Patriots, and the Rams. And I love, I love Brandon Cooks, man. But you just don't know what you're going to get. You really don't. And so uh, it, it reminds me a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And here's the, and here's the scary thing to think about, too, is like Amari Cooper, you could argue he's probably going to want something sim- 